I'm Stuart Beard. And I'm John Hassel. And this is the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. You're joining us for part one of a two-part special series of podcasts covering the A1 in Scotland. And John, we have a special guest here to discuss the A1. Who is it? We have... Myself, Duncan McKnight. Welcome back. How are we doing? We're okay. So those who are regular listeners of the podcast will remember Duncan from the A9 podcast Indeed. specials that we did back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duncan, nice to have you here again and, and in the studio. Nice to be back. Yeah. Out uh, away from the Highlands for the first Indeed. time in a while. Indeed. And this, this is a podcast that's been in preparation for quite some time. Quite some time, yes. Yeah. So they've given me about three days of preparation. But yeah. we've <laughs> pulled together something that will You've been researching be for about six months because I remember yeah. talking about it ages ago. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. And we, and we have a lot of things to cover, so that's why we've decided to do this over two parts, because we don't want to squeeze too much in uh, in one episode. So I think it gives you a wee bit more time just to cover the main points in yeah. detail. And I know people will be interested uh, in this particular route. It's a route yeah. I know fairly well. John, you don't know it just so much, is that right? Not so much. I mean, I've been down it a few times for work, but generally it's not my preferred route for getting into England uh, from that side. I tend to take the A68. Yeah. So I'm an A68 fan, so you're going to have to win me over here, Duncan. Yeah. I'll do my best. I'll yeah. do my best. <laughs> I think, I think, Duncan, you had to win yourself over a bit with the A1 yeah, as well, didn't you? I was not a big fan of the A1 um, for quite some time, but now having researched it and driven down it, mm. it's now, I prefer it a bit more yeah, than okay. some of the other roads. Okay. Yeah. So in part one, we're going to discuss the history of the route, yes. and we're also going to talk about the development of it through the decades, and we're going to cover really as far as the Haddington-Dunbar stretch yes. in episode one, and then in episode two, we will talk about everything basically from Dunbar uh, all the way down to Berwick. Yes. So that, that splits it up nice. So that's a good, convenient starting point. And, and there was a few people that we want to say thanks to. Yes, us, there's a couple of people. I'll get my notes up here. We've uh, thanks to our archive friend, Graham Yule. Yep. Uh, he sent us lots of uh, information. So thanks to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Hill, he's uh, a Sabre colleague that I know. He's doing a lot of research with the A1. So okay. he sent over a lot of information. Good. Mm. And uh, our Fairhurst friends, Bob Pritchard, Kevin McCall, and Ken McDowell, who were Fairhurst engineers at this time, they were involved in a lot of the A1 schemes. That's right. And they've sent over some information. So thank you to them. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, Good. Shall we just launch it into it? I'll do yeah, so of... thanks to all these guys for, for, for giving us yeah, the information so very to, much. to produce this. Yeah, Duncan, I'm take it away. Fire it. Okay, so the A1 uh, is the longest road in the UK at 396 miles long, and it connects London and Edinburgh. Okay. And it's generally an eastern corridor up the UK. Right. So M6 up the west, you've got A1 up the east. Um, Briefly talking about London to Newcastle, the A1 is a mix of dual carriageway and upgraded motorway sections known as the A1M. Mm -hmm. It's a funny number. Uh, the first sort of dualed section start, started appearing in the 1920s, 1930s, and the first section of the A1M appeared in 1961 at Doncaster Bypass. So that was, uh, that was yeah, back, okay. back interesting. From Newcastle to Edinburgh, it's kind of a different road because it's dual and single carriageway sections given the lower traffic flows between um, Newcastle and Edinburgh. Um, you know, the A74 M6 when that was being built in the 60s and 70s, that became the more popular route. Yeah. Okay. So from Newcastle up to Edinburgh, it really didn't have a lot of um, improvements on it. I mean, the first Scottish dual carriageway section appeared in 1982. That's very late on. late on. And then we started building sections but at Edinburgh. But it makes sense because of what you've said with the M6 yeah. corridor being the preferred one. So we've now ended up, I suppose, today with a route that's quite similar to the A9 in some ways, some bits of dual, some bits of single. Yeah, true, very much. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll go down. We'll start in. Uh, we'll start in Edinburgh. Yeah, so, starts so in Edinburgh. the A1 itself actually starts at the end of Princess Street, doesn't it's it? Outside the Balmoral Hotel. Yeah. Oh. There's an interesting fact I can throw in. Also starting outside the Balmoral Hotel is the A8. Yep. And the A7. Yep. And the A902. No, that's not right. The A900, I okay. think it goes so, on. Yeah, so, it's an important so there's a convergence of... Cross, yeah. Do you know, it's cross. similar in London. A lot of roads start down start there in the same kind of place, like A1, A2, and that's how the road numbering system kind of works yeah. in the yeah. UK. Yeah. These historic uh, starting points for all, for all roads in Edinburgh being a historic city. Yeah. yeah kind of makes sense. Mm. Now, Edinburgh-wise, you were looking for me to give a bit of an overview of yes, the history of, because, of Edinburgh. Yes, um, because briefly, the A1 sort of winds its way out of Edinburgh. All these A roads wind their way out of Edinburgh. Yeah. Mm. And uh, back in the day, back in the 1940s, Patrick Abercrombie, who was involved with Glasgow, yes, he was, was involved in Edinburgh because yes. Edinburgh wanted Edinburgh had a bit of a traffic problem. Yep. It still does. Indeed. And they wanted to do something with it. So, Stuart, I'm going to hand over to yeah. you. So we were fortunate that we managed to get a copy of Aber- Abercrombie's Civic Plan for Edinburgh yes. recently, uh, and that was able to fill in some gaps. Uh, and it was, it was a good read. It was uh, it was interesting. It's very different to the Glasgow plan. It's, uh, yeah. There's... It's a lot less ambitious in scale to the to the Clyde Valley plan, uh, but but that's perhaps because it's centred on the city rather than a wider area. Um, he had roads proposals uh, within the report, and uh, interestingly, there's a number of things in there that were developed further. Uh, the first one that stood out to me was the development of a crossing of the Forth at Queensferry. Okay, also became yeah. the Forth Road Bridge. That was first, uh, you know, detailed in that report. He also had plans for an outer bypass of Edinburgh, Sounds more familiar. or less, in the yeah. corridor that it ended mm-hmm. up in. Yeah. Although even in his report, it stated that it wouldn't be required until much later. Okay. He did have proposals for a number of new distributor roads within the city. These were not motorways, but these right. are urban dual carriageways by mm. the looks of things. So A-road stuff. A-road stuff, yeah. basically, yeah. Uh, no grade separation, nothing like that. Uh, but some new roads some of which may well have come along. I was looking at parts of the A71 and the A8 now, and, and some of them look to be fairly similar. And the road that goes out to the north of Edinburgh as well from the, from the city centre. And, and what's the road that goes around? Is it the A199? The A199 goes, goes around the north Leith. of Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that looked to be in that plan as well. Right. But as was the case with a lot of things at that time, nothing really happened. There was no money. Mm. Uh, there was not a lot of drive. And Edinburgh was a very difficult place to, to develop in, as, as it still is for a number mm. of reasons. Through the, the 50s and the 60s, they started to devise plans for their inner ring road, um, which um, is still a bit of a mystery to people. Mm. There's a lot of secrecy around mm. it. People know, oh, yeah, there was going to be a ring road there. Unlike Glasgow, they didn't really develop their plans to any real detailed stage. You can't go to the Edinburgh plans and say the junction that was going to be here would have been this type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think they developed it to that extent. Mm-hmm. We know by 1969 that they had a five-year programme of projected spend to build the first stages of the ring road, but the public were really, really against, Quite against it, proposals yeah. for an urban motorway network in Edinburgh for a, for a number of reasons, which we're not going to discuss, obviously, mm-hmm. here today. So for, for those reasons... The inner ring road aspect of Edinburgh, Edinburgh's plans didn't go ahead. A key part of that proposal was the M8 coming in from the west, mm. joining that inner ring road in the area, uh, you know, through Kerstorf and run about the Murrayfield area. And likewise, coming in from the east, we would have had an A1M. A1M, yeah. Coming in from Portobello 
all mm-hmm. the way up through probably passing is it Craig Miller and where the stadium yeah. is because um, I've had a wee look the rough route of the A1M would have been coming off the southeast corner of the central ring yeah, yeah. and running around the south of Holyrood Park passing the Duddingston Loch yeah, that yeah, sort of area right. and yeah. then heading towards Portobello yeah so lots of this didn't happen yes the M8 section didn't happen at all eventually superseded by the West Approach Road which was then cancelled and then mm. replaced by a much lower scale proposal which will talk about some other time uh in the east however we did get part of that a1m but not as an a not M. as an a1m so yes. really that takes us then to portobello bypass doesn't portobello, it portobello and tranet yeah. bypass and and yes. this was delivered in two ways one there was a regional section and there yes. was a trunk section yes so the regional section by regional we mean it was taken forward by a Lothian regional council Lothian regional, yeah. who had adopted it from the edinburgh corporation when mm-hmm. it ceased to exist in 1975 they started taking the proposals forward for that. And uh, that's really the only part of Edinburgh's 1970s plans. There's Buchanan reports mm-hmm. that we've got mm-hmm. copies of as well. Really the only part of it that went ahead. So kick us off then with this part of the A1. Right. And, and sorry, should say before you start that, that the, the rest of the historic A1 from Prince's Street to Portobello no, is exactly it's as exactly it has always the same been. It's just, it a, was. it's just a single two-lane Pretty much single carriage. Right? Yeah. A couple of bus lanes on it, but it's not yeah. nothing too it's exciting. nothing remarkable, nothing, nothing worth talking about. So if you follow this road, you suddenly hit a roundabout and you get kicked off onto the dual carriageway. Now, this was all built kind of as one, as separate contracts, but built at the same time. Uh, a bypass of Musselburgh had been considered since the 20s. Yeah. So we're thinking about as far back as that. And it was announced in July 1982. Which is quite late. It's quite late. And, and, and this is often the case with a lot of the East Coast schemes. They were probably 10 years behind yeah. Glasgow in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at what you know Glasgow was doing, what yeah. we're doing with you know the A9 and things, yeah. this is lagging behind, behind a wee bit. Yeah. Do we have a reason for that? Not that I've found. Probably yeah. a bit of political yeah. decisions, probably I, a bit of funding. I think funding yeah. and political, again, we have to, I suppose, understand that traffic flows in that part of the country were not probably high. No. There wouldn't have been a lot of commuter traffic, no. I expect, at that time. Um, and because Edinburgh was still developing as a city, even at that point, it wasn't like now where you would commute in from Haddington or yes. you know places mm. like that. And I suppose the other thing to consider as well is that, that in terms of cross-border traffic, there wasn't that, an awful lot. There wasn't an awful I mean, lot. It was, and what did come you know, went via Carlisle M6 yeah. E74. I mean, it was the Great North Road, but it was in the 70s that it began to lose favour with that. Yeah. Um, so eventually we said, right, we're going to bypass Portobello, Musselburgh and Tranet. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was four, three or four schemes that I will show quickly talk you through. The first one is that was built at this time was Portobello Bypass. Now, this is not the A1, but it was built around this time, so I thought I might have well include it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this is known, if you're looking at it on the map, thinking, where is the Portobello Bypass? It is known as the Sir Harry Lauder Road. Now, oh, John, yeah, I've, I've heard of this. I've heard Harry, that name. Yeah, yes. you know, Harry Lauder was a comedian, mu- musician type mm-hmm. chap who existed in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, sang all these very old Scottish songs. It sounds riveting. <laughs> yes. Uh, so if you're interested in learning more about Harry Lauder, look him up on YouTube because there's a big Take playlist. Of that road. But we'll go back to the bypass. Okay. Um, this was known as the Harry Lauder Road and it was the single carriageway section that goes from where the A1 is up to the top of Portobello. Now there was two roundabouts at each end of this. They have been removed. Uh, it was designed by Lothian Regional Council. I'll get my notes up here. And it was built by Molum Limited and Miller Construction. Yeah, we've had the both of those. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this opened around about December 1986. 
Okay. 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 So this is the that was Portobello bypass. So if we go move on to the A1, we've got Musselburgh bypass. Now this is a big southern loop around the bottom of uh, Musselburgh, and yep. this also connects with the bypass, which we'll get to in a moment. And is this the trunk section? This is this is the half of the trunk section right. after the non-trunk okay. section. Ah, so right, so from, is this the bit that goes kind of you know where you get the new Craig Hall Junction? Yes, is that around there? So from what is known as Milton Road in Edinburgh all the way down to the city bypass, that's the Lothian Regional Council section, and this was built by tractor shovels. That's and another contractor. We hear a lot of at this yeah. side of the country. Yep. And uh, from the city bypass up to what is known as the Dolphingston Junction, that was designed by Freeman Fox and Partners. Did they have a bit of involvement with the inner ring road? They did. They, had, they were involved in the, the, the sort of Buchanan reports and various other reports during the 70s, 60s yeah. and 70s in Edinburgh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Freeman Fox, also forthright bridge designers. Big bridge constructors. Big and designers. Erskine. Yes. And Erskine, yeah. yeah. Um, so Lothian Regional Council Musselburgh Bypass uh, the bridges supervision of the bridges was done by W.A. Fairhurst okay. mm -hmm. so Bob Pritchard has given us a bit of info here so the area between Old Craig Hall and New Craig Hall was historically subject to the effects of mining at the nearby Moncton Hall Colliery okay. the new bridges carrying bypass comprised multi and single span structures de designed to accommodate the predicted ground movements the colliery was still active at the start of construction but was closed in 1997 so this is the Lothian Regional Council section. So this is the part that goes past the Queen Margaret University. Yes. Mm. And then at the city bypass, Freeman Fox took over and took it up to what is known as the Dolphingston Junction. Okay. That's the first fork. one you That's get That's the fork junction between Musselburgh and Tranet. It was lying directly between them. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, this was designed by Freeman Fox and it was built by Balfour Beatty. And this opened, as well as the other section, this opened around about December 1986. I haven't been able to pin down a date on this. Okay. Roughly just, when this if opened. anybody has a date, you know. For, mm. So we, just no. this whole bit, uh, Duncan, I remember when you started researching on this, you were asking some questions about what came first in terms of the bypass. So they yes. put the bypass in and they left room for this. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of clear that up for me. Well, John, you... you're the you're the bypass expert. Ah, but so you, you get, this is the, I'm not going to take your thunder yeah. here. I mean, this is the, the A1 show. So, um, <laughs> so the section of the bypass south mm -hmm. of the A1 was that 80 was that later that was 88 wasn't it mm -hmm. the, 88 yes mm -hmm. so I think what happened is they built the overbridges yeah. for the roundabout that's, that would eventually connect up to it's coming the, back to me now that's exactly to the what bypass yeah. yeah there's another feature that happens on the A1 to the east of here John can you tell us what that is another feature another fe another shall we say a legal feature that happens well it, it becomes a kind of special road yes. I mean I think it's known as the A1 expressway the here. A1 expressway so it's a motorway in all but name yeah okay so if I wanted to take my horse and cart on it I could not do that oh well, it's right. a shame, I know it's a bit yeah. of a shame it's parked outside at the moment it's a shame um <laughs> Okay. Uh, Musselburgh Bypass, I've got a bit of info about this. Uh, so the Musselburgh Bypass contract consists of 5.7 kilometres of dual carriageway trunk road passing to the south of Musselburgh mm -hmm. and connects to the A1 at Dolphington Farm in the east with the Lothian Regional Council section of Musselburgh Bypass in the west. Mm -hmm. Two major interchanges are included in the works. Near Old Craig Hall at the western end, a grade-separated roundabout will provide connection to the proposed Old Craig Hall to Miller Hill section of the Urge City Bypass and a diamond interchange near Crookston Farm. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, that then takes us on to the last wee bit of construction that went on, which was Tranet Bypass. Mm -hmm. Now, this goes from the Fork Junction at Dolphingston. It runs around the top of Tranet to Mac Mary. Yeah. And it merged there with an at-grade fork. 
uh, there's an interesting feature of this which I shall read out just now. Uh, the Trinet bypass contract consists of approximately 6.7 kilometres of new trunk road passing to the north of Tranet from McMerry in the east to the A1 at Dolphingston in the west, where it joins the Mossborough bypass. Connection to the A1 at Dolphingston is made by means of a diamond interchange, and mm-hmm. at the eastern end of the bypass, an at-grade junction provides connection to the A1 at McMerry. Okay? Okay. This is the interesting bit here. So from Dolphingston to to Bankton Roundabout. Now, Bankton Roundabout doesn't exist anymore. That's it the, was turned into a dumbbell, That's the not? dumbbell junction at the north of Tranet. Yeah. So from there, north of Tranet, the bypass is constructed to dual carriageway standard. Mm-hmm. From the roundabout, which provides access to the B6371, the bypass continues eastwards as a single carriageway. Okay. So the dual carriageway hit a roundabout north of Tranet, and it continued round to McMerry as a single carriageway. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. I'm just going to chip in here as a nitpicker yep. because I, I know we have lots of nitpickers. So listen, uh, <laughs> you, you're obviously saying Tranent, and I've also heard people refer to it as Tranent. So yeah. just we'll address that. So, you know, you know, it's apples and oranges. and Let's get this. It's your podcast. Yeah. He's yep. pulling you up and I say... I'm not pulling you up. No, <laughs> not, I'm just, I'm just, got, I say Tranent as well. Tranent, yeah. Tranent. Uh, but it, it could be a regional yeah. thing, to be fair. And just another thing I'm going to pick up on. Mm-hmm. Everybody calls these junctions different things. Some All say right. Wallyford, Tranent, Junction. No, I don't hear people say... Dol- was it Dolphington? Dolphington is the fork. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of people do use these different things because I work with a lot of guys who who are on this road and they'd use all these different names. There was Oak Tree as well, and yeah. other ones. Oak Tree, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so lots of different names. I ha- I had a sheet, but I don't have mm. it with me. But you, we'll, you'll keep us right. I'll keep going with yeah. the official uh, nomenclature for it. So, so at uh, the Tranent Bypass was the first of these sections to open. This opened on okay. the twenty seventh of March, nineteen eighty six, and it opened, quoting here, on a very blustery day. So, okay. uh, so uh, like today, then, yeah. Yeah. yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, last bit of info here from now. This little bit here is taken from a civil engineering technology article from August 1985 about the Freeman Fox sections of the bypass. Okay. Uh, both contracts are to be constructed over areas which are known to contain old shallow mine workings. Mm. Records of these workings are neither accurate nor complete, and many workings and shafts were not recorded at all. Sudden collapse of stoop and room workings and of shafts have been recorded in the area and the whole length of the road was considered to be at risk of subsidence or collapse. So if you're on the Tranet Bypass, be very careful. (laughs) This is a common theme for a lot of roads in Lothian. In this area. In this area. I mean, this was a problem at Sheriff Hall and other Mm -hmm. areas and stuff like that. You know, I wouldn't want to be a civil engineer working on these projects. but This may explain as to why they built half of the Tranet Bypass single carriageway. Right. Because I've not really found much else, but northeast of Tranet in that big area, there was a shell mining area. Mm. It's closed down now, but that may be the reason why. So that, was the, so that was the first section of improvement that we saw up here. Okay. okay. So before we, before we move on then, let me, let me just come in with a question. Right. So prior to the construction of these bits of road, what was the old road like? Where did it go? Is it still available? Is it, does it still exist? The old A1 begins at uh, in Edinburgh yeah yeah and it uh, where the A1 suddenly turns south and goes on to the dual carriageway the A199 mm-hmm, which was Portobello Bypass comes in and takes over right so the A199 carries on through Musselburgh and then crosses over the dual carriageway and goes through Tranet 
So yeah. anybody who was heading, say, for the coast and, you know, the East had Coast was along. popular holiday destination, um, you know, still is. Uh, so you had to sneak through towns and yes. villages to get where you were going, basically. Along the old single yeah. carriageway, yeah. Okay. And it's all still there then, obviously. It's all still yeah. there, yeah. It's all, it's drivable all the way up to Dunbar, where they then start doing some online upgrading. All right. So it's, uh, yeah. And it also serves as the, uh, shall we say, the re- non-restricted vehicles route. Mm-hmm. that can't use the express so it's a good this. all-purpose dis- yeah. you know distributor parallel road mm-hmm. basically yeah good yeah okay yeah uh, so going along from there this dual carriageway was extended up to haddington on the 18th of november 1996 so that's quite a gap then yes yeah i vaguely remember so my very first trips down the the a1 being in the 90s yeah. as a passenger and uh, that being quite new mm-hmm yeah. Uh, this was designed by Carlbro, and I think Bullen had a bit of involvement as well. And it was built by a Miller and Amy joint venture. Okay. Oh, we've, so, we've heard of those organisations. Yeah. Going back <laughs> then to, to the, the end of the first bypass, mm. was the intention always going to be that there was going to be a, a section of dual carriageway continuing on, on from there, or was it designed in a, as a permanent solution? Given the space around the A1, there was always going to be space to do something else, to extend it if they wanted to. Yeah. But it was, I don't think it was ever going to be permanent. So if they had, after 1986, if they decided that that was the end of the dual carriageway, it would have worked properly. It would have worked You wouldn't fine, have had yeah. like dead spars or anything like no. that indicating something else was coming. Yeah. All right, okay. So that was that. Um, this involved the, the temporary terminus at Haddington, hmm. which you remember, I vaguely remember seeing this on maps and going, oh, this is quite, this is quite funky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and this is the dumbbell interchange. Okay. The east of uh, east of Hannington. Not much else really to say on this, but it's fairly basic, fairly okay. straightforward dual carriageway. Yeah. There's a couple of gatsos on it which you have to be aware of. Yeah. So, um, just point that out. And then this was extended again up to Thistley Cross Roundabout at Dunbar on the 14th of April 2004. Yeah, so I definitely remember this one. This is a mm-hmm. long section, this very featureless, big... where there's hardly any junctions between mm-hmm. it, and it was always a bit of a nightmare for diversion routes. Yes, yeah, this, this is the A one, the proper A one expressway, no junctions, it's just straight through. Yeah. yeah, this was designed by a company I've never heard of called Scott Wilson Kirkpatrick and Partners. <laughs> and who are they? Who are yeah. they? Yeah, and it was built by Balfabiti again. Okay, so big this, names is the, there. this is the expressway. It doesn't feature any junctions, as mm-hmm. you said. And it features a very large structure over the River Tyne. Yeah. Now this isn't this isn't the Newcastle River Tyne. This is the East Linton <laughs> River Tyne. Uh, so it's a very large uh, structure. Accent, I know. He's trying. <laughs> Just he's so trying. people don't get. This confused. is why we love you. Having being down here, Duncan, you you keep us smiling. But thanks. <laughs> no, no, thank this, you. This expressway section is the section that I remember uh, being completed, mm, and mm. I remember using the old road uh, before it, and there was a whole debate for a number of years about exactly the form that this project mm-hmm. would take. And at one point, they had two schemes in the go. Um, there was the, the originally promoted scheme, which had two additional junctions yes. along its length. Mm-hmm. And the orders were actually made for that scheme. And I believe there had been a public inquiry for that scheme. Yes, And then devolution comes along and the Scottish Executive come in and they review the entire roads mm-hmm. you know, proposals for Scotland at that time. And when they come back in November 1999 they decided to go with this cut-back version, this expressway version. Yeah. yeah. And the, the justification really for that was improved journey times and safety, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, was there not some local concerns about the lack of junctions that were being constructed? Yes, I have a bit for here from the opening booklet okay. of the Scott Wilson section, so I'll quickly yeah. read this out. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, following the routes south of Edinburgh study in 1990, the decision was taken by the Scottish executive to upgrade the A1 to near motorway standards as far as Dunbar. The Scottish executive appointed Carlbro as consultant to prepare proposals to upgrade the A1 from Tranet to Haddington and from Haddington to Dunbar. Yeah. A preferred route for Haddington to Dunbar was published in 1992 for a period of further consultation and scheme development. A public local inquiry was held in 1997. During 1997-98, the junctions at Monks Muir and Fantasy were deleted from the scheme in order mm. to reduce the environmental impact and the cost of the scheme. The concept of the A1 Expressway emerged at this stage. In 1999, the strategic roads review carried out by the Scottish Executive confirmed the Expressway as the preferred scheme. And this was the same discussion that said, we're going to build this and the M77 and I think Fockerbridge Bypass yeah, was included yeah, in that. Yeah. It was Not also the one that referred the M74 completion back to the local authorities and in essence delayed it by two years. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's, mm. so well remembered. So one, one of the one. things is looking at the map, which is very frustrating for people in East Linton, they do not have a junction. Mm -hmm. And that was the one where you were saying, that, well, what, a, what a great name this is, mm -hmm. what fantasy. There is a railway that runs all along through here as well. It would have been difficult. You know? Yeah, there's very few overbridges that go over and under the railway line, yeah. so that was maybe a constraint. One thing I can quickly throw in here is that the bypasses, the 1930s bypasses of East Linton and Haddington appeared around about this time. So they date from around 1928, well, okay. This isn't what we what a modern bypass. This is just avoiding the town centre by cutting along the top or along the bottom, and yeah. they're still there to this day. So they've been bypassed again? Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. So there you go. Bypass of the bypass. Yes. Okay. So that takes us up to Thistley Cross Roundabout. So I have a kind of question about the whole thing. We're talking a lot about A1 Expresses. Probably people use this road and they, they a lot of people ask questions about special road status. Was there a, was there a particular reason? Does anybody know here or maybe mm. Duncan, you can answer why they wanted to do this? I could speculate for you. Okay. I've had a little thing. The parallel road, mm -hmm. the A199 is actually, if you drive it, it's not what you would... It's not like the old A9 between Bankfoot and Burnham, for example. The old A9 mm -hmm. is very windy, very bendy. This old A1 is very straight, very flat, mm -hmm. very easy to do overtaking on. So I can imagine it's wide. what, yeah. yeah. So I can imagine they could say, okay, we'll keep this because this is a pretty good standard road. Mm -hmm. And we've got the space to build something alongside it out of the way. Right. Because next, along the old A1, there's a lot of accesses. There's a lot of houses sitting right next to the road. So I imagine mm -hmm. getting these out of the way or diverted around would have been a bit of a problem. So it's probably easier to just go, we've got the space, may as well build it. Build a bit of kind of special road here. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have to have a blue line on a map, but it functions yeah. as a blue line. It functions very... I drove along it on Tuesday. It functions very well. Yeah. Very, very well. well. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I, As you say, it's... It, it's basically a blue line on a map. Yeah, isn't it's it? one of these in all things, but name. In all but name, mm -hmm. it's I find it particularly at that uh, eastern end. You know, the newer sections, it feels very motorway like. Yeah. You know, yeah. there without the, you know, much happening either side. You just straight through. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I suppose the E nine upgrade will feel quite like that section of yeah. road. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. We get also get that with the Aberdeen bypass feels like yeah. that as well. Yeah. Well, except for the awkward. For the junctions. Roundabouts. Clean yeah. hill roundabout on the Aberdeen bypass. <laughs> yeah. That's a discussion and an argument for yeah. another day. But one day we will talk about, we'll have an A90 one. A A90 podcast. An A90 podcast. Yeah. So that'll probably have to be over three. But uh, there you go. There you go. So um, so do we have traffic flow information for this? Is this a busy bit of road now? Yes. Um, it sits at around 30, 35,000 at Edinburgh. Yeah. And it slowly sort of peters down to 15,000, 10,000 vehicles at mm. Dunbar. And then between Dunbar and essentially Morpeth, way down north of um, Newcastle, yeah. it picks up again. 
So this is the start of the sort of quieter section of the A1. Okay. Which leads me on to another part here is, is an overall strategy for the A1 from the border to, um, you know, Edinburgh, mm-hmm. is that they've been incrementally dueling this, you know, since the, the 1980s, so yes. it seems like that. Uh, what Do you think there's value much in, in dueling the whole lot all the way down to Berwick? Because mm. there are lots of other ways you can get across the border. I've often seen yeah. it, so I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are. Having been down it on Monday, as I've said, it would be nice, mm-hmm. but because the dual carriage sections where they are, the single carriageways are quite short. They don't last. They're not like the big long sections in the A9. Mm. Yeah. You're sitting behind a slow convoy for a couple of minutes, maybe yeah. at least, and then you've got some overtaking before it all narrows down, but then you've got the yeah. expressways well, each side. Don't, don't don't see too much on that because right. that's obviously an analysis that we've got lined up for, for part two, yeah. you know, where we discuss the future of the route and, and how it could develop further. So don't give any more details right, around right, that okay. at this stage. So, sorry to, to, to jump the gun. getting ahead of himself. Sorry Yeah, so... At Thistle Cross Roundabout, that, that roundabout is the first at-grade junction since, since, from since Edinburgh. Edinburgh yeah. yeah, And then I suppose, yeah, so really after Sheriff Hall and, and Old Craig Hall, yeah, so that whole it's stretch of the first interruption. Is, yeah. 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 And then it's, I think, after you've like spot mm-hmm. roundabout, but that's for part two. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Any further figures, facts and details you want to give us on, on any of these sections? I was going to say, not really, no, it's a fairly straightforward bit of road. It's a, it's a fairly straight and flat dual carriageway. Not mm. much else really going on apart from that bridge over the River Tyne, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I recommend giving it a wee visit because it's quite impressive. Yeah, I've never I've never stopped at it, at, uh, mm. certainly go over it. You don't sometimes realise you're on it. but It's you know, a big structure, yeah. It's a very big one. Yeah, mm. I think I've seen some lovely photographs of it when it opened. Uh, mm. We did get a lot of stuff from Scott Wilson. Yes. And these sections, I remember seeing the, the pictures. I've seen some scary pictures of the lorries getting blown over because <laughs> this is quite a flat area. Right. So yeah. the wind can hurt it a wee bit so just be aware of that okay so that that more or less covers the, the stretch we're looking to talk about yeah. in part one duncan i think we've given all, pretty much all the information we can in that mm. this seems like a good point to to cover some of the listener questions that, that were submitted because we've got a, cu- a couple that relate to this oh, northern questions. section yeah. yeah so john is going to ask you some of these questions oh. or the, 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 the two questions and right, uh, yeah. Take it away. Oh, yeah, it feels <laughs> like shoes, fire away. shoes on the other foot. It's normally you asking us, isn't it? So, no, this is this is strange. Uh, so, a couple uh, from Twitter here, okay? Right. So, it's Robert Kilcoyne. Uh, I think Robert's asked us a few questions in the past. His first question was, when the expressway was built between Haddington and Thistley Cross, which is what you've spoken yep. about, nine-mile section without any exit, why was there no intermediate junction built for East Linton, which the A1 bypasses very close to the south? And I think we did... Answer We've this. kind of answered yeah. this. Yeah, this is primarily to keep the costs down. Yeah, that's mostly cost and environmental. Those kind yeah. of the environmental aspect being worked in there for that was common in a lot of those late nineties mm. schemes. Yeah. So they did plan it. There were yeah. junctions planned. You, oh, you yeah. touched on that, yeah. but um, you know it, it came down so to cost. Hopefully that's reasons. answered that, that one for for Robert. Robert has another. Okay, oh. so he, he does ask when the old Craig Hall interchange with the A seven twenty was built. Was there ever any plan to make the A1 flow directly onto the A720 with traffic for the A1 into the Edinburgh turning off? So I, I think he's talking about a kind of free flow. A big free flow. Lamps or fork, yes. ramps or a fork or something like that. Was, um, was there any plans for that? No, not that I've seen. Okay. Um, John, you're an Edinburgh Wi-Fi expert here. So um, Have I seen any on my anything? end? No. Here's the thing I'll say is that the joined up planning between the bypass and the A1 and stuff, or there was some that centred around Craig, Craig Hall. Yeah. I never seen any plans no. like that. It makes sense now in hindsight. I see what he's kind of mm. talking about, and it would be great. Although there are there are uh, 
some modifications they've made to Old Craig Hall there with are, the additional yes. of, of traffic lights and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, certainly in the, the information booklets, the opening booklets we have from the eighties, that there was never any indication that grade mm. separation. I've never, was I've never no. seen it. No. No. I, there was something I saw recently actually on the internet Uh-oh. of people wanting a, a big slip road came in. So rather than coming down towards the bypass and going left at the roundabout, yeah. you would just go round this big slip yeah, yeah. and you would get chucked onto I, the bypass. I believe East Lothian Council are promoting that Something, and are looking yeah. to take that forward. Yeah, uh, that's that kind of a, be... a, a bypass for the roundabout. Yeah. So you're going yeah. north on the A1 and then on to the yeah. state bypass westbound. It would be fairly straightforward to put in. The only yeah. problem is that there's a bridge on the bypass that's fairly close. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. might be a bit of a constraint, but yeah. anything to get traffic flowing a bit quicker. Interesting. Okay, interesting. Okay. Uh, we, we had another question from uh, David Smith on, mm-hmm. on Facebook who was asking about whether the the upgrading of the A1 to dual carriageway has contributed to the, the sprawl of Edinburgh, mm. you know, towards the east. Is it, you know, it's almost created a commuter belt to the east of the city. Uh, mm. Would you say that, it's, that, that many more people now are driving from the east into Edinburgh daily than they would have been in the 80s and the and even in the 1990s? Oh, yeah. yeah. When I drove along it, uh, it really picks up near, um, what was it, Musselburgh, Tranet. Mm-hmm. And as you're sort of going towards the bypass, I remember everyone went onto the bypass and there was a few cars going in. Now it was quite an even split. Um, so it's kind of served the function of the M77. So yeah. it's connected up Ayrshire, Dunbar, mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. to the big city. <laughs> I like so, how the way you've drawn parallels between the two cities and the suburban well, areas yeah, around yeah. them. No, that that's right. I mean, a lot of these large, uh, we've often spoken about car-dependent estates yeah. and developments coming through there yeah. and stuff like that that will obviously drive things. But that's that's how civilization works. So, it's yeah. progress, isn't it? Uh, so, and it makes me makes me think of a question, and we, mm. we, we might not know the answer to this. It might need a bit more research. But when you get to Old Craig Hall on the A1, what proportion of traffic drops off and goes west on the 720 and what proportion continues north and what goes into What a fantastic Edinburgh? question. We don't know this, but Not I would sure. imagine that the higher higher proportion from what I have observed takes that city bypass. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People don't like taking their cars into Edinburgh. No. And Edinburgh City no. Council makes sure that, that that's the case. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of people are using that to cut across. And Yeah. yeah. And I suppose it, it's an interesting one as well because, and again, this might be a good discussion for part two but when you when you think about cross-border traffic and travel mm. on the route i think you still would be something like 20 percent yeah compared to the 80 percent that's using the m74 corridor because it's mm-hmm. circuitous i find yeah. it, it's not actually a direct route over the english border because it hugs the coast no, it's yeah. Yeah. way yeah. out east and then turns yeah. south yeah so it's that's a good it. that's a good point a good discussion point for part two yeah mm. is to, to think about the route how how, how the route performs mm. as, as a as an option when compared against the e68 the e7 the e698 these mm. other options yeah. Yeah. i've never had a problem with the scottish side mm-hmm. it's the english side that i find where you get these quite long there's a very very sections. long section so yeah. better and i, I know yeah. highways England are addressing this but hey that's another big discussion yeah, yeah definitely as you say let's save it for part two that's for our English A1 yep. podcast oh don't mention it all the way down to London yeah <laughs> exactly well that sums up part one uh, so I hope you do join us again for part two mm-hmm. uh, which will be released a couple of weeks uh, after this one uh, as always you can find all episodes of the podcast on uh, Podbean Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else you find podcasts they are on YouTube now as well everywhere and don't forget about social media i know i say it every time but you can see us on facebook on twitter and on instagram as well and see some of the great content we have in the archive that we share with you yeah you'll get a deal fix on there and of course our website continues to develop at glasgowmotorwayarchive.org lots of new material on there mm-hmm. that continues to expand uh, every month nice. lots of new stuff to see on there but on that uh, happy note i mm-hmm. think we'll, we'll call it a day there and we'll see you all for part two 
Okay. We will. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.